Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Story time. Hunting in northern Canada during peak rut with my father. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother and uncle. I hunt from a family spot. Our cabin is near a river. So we will track, hunt and transport by boat before setting blinds and stands. 
We had set a blind and heavily trafficked area against the edge of a clearing opposite the river. The clearing was surrounded by thick brush in a half circle that wrapped from behind to the sides of us. Across the clearing from the blind was large rocky outcropping that banking the river. Also across the clearing the rocks and trees left an opening of about 20 yards horizontally, which gave us a good view of the river. Rocks ending to the left of the opening and thick brush on the right. We had just downed a moose on the opposite side of the clearing near the large rocky outcropping. This meant that we could no longer see the river due to the large rocky outcropping. This also meant we couldn't see our boats. As we start courting the moose, this tension builds around us and everything goes eerily quiet. My father looks back to the opening to the river and goes completely still. He motions for me to get down near some willow and for my uncle to slowly pass him rifle. As my uncle is passing him the rifle, the single largest moose I've ever seen in my life slowly starts tracing the edge of the clearing opposite to us. For about 20 minutes this demon paced back and forth slowly cutting us off from both the blind and our boats. We sat there quietly not breathing for fear of starting something we defiantly would not win. After about the 20 minutes the monster took three lumbering steps into the brush and evaporated. We sloppily quartered our moose and packed everything up in record time. Constantly looking over our shoulders as we never knew where the beast melted off to. That is until we got into our boat and watched it swim from our bank to the other bank about 60 yards from our boats. A couple of years back, I found myself on a solo hunting trip in South Texas. The sun dipped low in the sky as I settled into my deer blind, surrounded by the rustling leaves and distant calls of the wild. Little did I know that the tranquility of the moment was about to be shattered. As I peered through the camouflage of the blind, scanning the landscape for any sign of movement, my heart skipped a beat. In the distance, I spotted a group of figures navigating through the rugged terrain. Fear gripped me when I noticed a leader at the front, carrying a rifle. It didn't take long to realize that these were Mexican immigrants crossing our property. Chilled by the stories I had heard about hunters in the same county facing robbery or worse at the hands of such groups, panic set in. The woods suddenly felt less like a sanctuary and more like a potential danger zone. I could almost hear the tales echoing in my mind as I contemplated the best course of action. I decided to hunker down, lowering myself onto the floor of the deer blind. The brush around me provided some cover, and I tried to make myself as inconspicuous as possible. My breaths became shallow, and every creak of the blind seemed deafening. The quietness of the forest was now an eerie symphony, each rustle making me flinch. Time seemed to crawl as I lay there, my senses on high alert. The distant footsteps drew nearer, and the leader's silhouette became clearer against the fading daylight. My pulse quickened, and beads of sweat formed on my forehead, as I prayed they wouldn't come too close. I couldn't shake the feeling of vulnerability, a silent observer hidden among the trees. The fear of the unknown, fueled by the stories I'd heard, made the experience all the more nerve-wracking. It was a test of my instincts, 
a battle between rationality and the primal fear that coursed through my veins. Eventually, the group passed by without incident. The weight of relief was palpable as I watched them disappear into the wilderness. I stayed put, allowing the echoes of their footsteps to fade before cautiously emerging from my hiding spot. About 15 years ago, my dad experienced something during a hunting trip in Arizona that would etch a lasting memory in his mind, casting a shadow over the tranquility of the great outdoors. Seated patiently at the base of a sturdy tree, the rustle of leaves and the occasional chirp of crickets were the only companions in the vast desert landscape. The sun hung low in the sky, casting long shadows as the day unfolded. Suddenly, a sharp crack split the air, shattering the serene quietude of the wilderness. Startled, my dad's gaze darted in all directions, searching for the source of the gunshot. To his bewilderment, there was no one in sight. No fellow hunters, no signs of life, just the expansive desert stretching out before him. Cautiously, he remained rooted to his spot, ears straining for any hint of movement. Time seemed to stretch as he waited, an hour ticking by in suspense. The silence lingered, broken only by the whispering wind and the distant calls of unseen creatures. Eventually, with nerves still on edge, he decided to get back on his feet. As he rose, his eyes scanned the surroundings once more, hoping to unravel the mystery of the gunshot. And then, a chilling realization struck him. Just three feet above where he had been seated, a stark reminder of the danger he had unknowingly faced emerged a bullet hole in the tree trunk. The gravity of the situation sank in, and the gravity of the situation hit him. He had narrowly escaped a potentially fatal encounter with an unseen, unknown shooter. The incident left an indelible mark on my dad. The once peaceful sanctuary of the desert had betrayed its tranquility, revealing an unseen threat that lurked in the shadows. The primal fear of a stray bullet, a brush with the unexpected, lingered long after that day. It took him a considerable amount of time to muster the courage to venture into the wilderness again, the echoes of that gunshot haunting the edges of his thoughts. The desert, once a place of solace and adventure, now bore the weight of an unseen danger that forever altered the way he approached the great unknown of the Arizona wilderness. I was out on a hunt with a few employees of mine, an older gentleman and a younger man that my wife insisted I hire all she told me was that family comes first. Bloody blonde hair twit. So while looking for prey we were wandering around the local woods, drinking some wine, and telling stories of previous hunts. I drank a little too much and eventually got stabbed in the stomach by a wild boar. Thankfully my employees were able to get me back home. I was able to sign everything over to my dearest friend Ned, so that he could look after everything until my son came of age. I grew up in a fairly remote area, and spent a lot of time in the woods. If we wanted to hunting, we'd head into the bush, and usually not see anyone else. Now I live in a fairly rural area but we're driving distance to the Toronto area. 
During hunting season, the woods here fill up with idiots wandering around or driving adidas, wearing blaze orange and camo. The woods are full of people. After hearing gunshots too close for comfort, and finding another group of fat males sitting with loaded guns and drinking beer, I decided to not go in the woods here during hunting season. I don't even run on my rural road, unless I'm decked out in neon colors. And then hunting season ends, the idiots get into their trucks and go home, and the woods are awesome again. Not a hunter, but a LARPer. Was organizing for a game and on Saturday night, we had a player come to the crew camp to do a specific scene with a specific NPC. He thanks the crew and heads back to the player camp, about a 10 minutes walk through a forest on a muddy path. It's pitch black, and he was using a small cheap lantern to light his way back. He stopped about 5 minutes into the walk because his lantern went out, and after smacking it a few times it started working again. He looks up to keep walking, and there's 6 pairs of bright green eyes staring right at him, about a meter and a half away from where he was standing. He said he stood there frozen for a solid 30 seconds before he realized it was a small herd of deer, which had surrounded him in the few minutes that he didn't have any light. Poor guy had to sprint back to camp in full chain or plate. This happened a few years ago in rural, northern Arizona during a severe drought. I live on a rural homestead. I had acquired two dozen chickens a few weeks prior, and they were bringing in coyotes. Most of the time, my small dog would start barking, and I'd open the door only to maybe catch a glimpse of the coyotes retreating. The chicken coop was well built, and kept them out. One night, the dog started barking like usual, but I didn't see a fleeing coyote. There was a very large canine on the far side of the coop. It was about four times the size of any other coyote ID ever seen, the size of a wolf, but there are no wolves in the area. I hesitated for less than a second as a wave of fear hit me. It was dark, on the very edge of where the porch light illuminated. I could clearly see it through the chicken wire. I raised my Beretta and rapidly fired seven rounds of 9mm FMJ, at least five of them hit their target. I scrambled back into the house, grabbed another mag and slammed it in my pistol and grabbed a flashlight. I went out to investigate the scene. A weak spot where the chicken wire met the wood of the coop had been pulled back, and the corner of the coop interior had been breached leaving two of my chickens dead. There was a fair bit of blood outside the coop consistent with where the blood would have landed as the shots I fired over penetrated but no blood trail leading away. Thing just shrugged off several rounds of 9mm. Spearfishing were treasure hunting, I typically find all sorts of cool stuff diving in the Pacific Northwest. Divers up here are brave and few, so usually picking is good. Usually I find sunglasses, fishing lures and garbage, I try to clean up the bottom wherever I diving. In the shallows, about 10-15 feet deep, I found this creepy weird tiki statue thing with a spear in one hand and a bow in the other. 
When I pulled it from the bottom I wasn't sure what it was, I didn't get a clear look at it until I surfaced. At the point of looking at it, I wish I had just left it on the bottom. It spooks me out. Can't help but feel bad juju from this thing. So I threw out the garbage, took this thing home, and it now sits on my desk with a candle next to it in the hopes that if I respect the old gods, they'll sleep a bit longer. What was this thing? It's hard to explain. I've never believed in anything like this. Ghosts were a bit of a reach for me. Aliens well of course. But myths and legends I thought were maybe based in some realm of the truth, or just made up for entertainment and storytelling. I went on a late night adventure with a date. We drove about 30 minutes out of our city to grab some food in a different town. The place was open late, and wasn't McDonald's, so we took the drive had nothing better to do. I wanted to avoid tolls so I took the back way. Why would I pay a toll for such a quick trip? Drive there was around 11 11.30 pm. It's December, and late in the middle of nowhere basically so I'm on the watch for deer and other dead animals. I keep my music loud and my brights on. We passed some cars driving there but traffic wasn't too bad. We grab the food and head back around 12-12.30 am. The road is empty. Once I left town and went on the back roads, there was no other drivers in the road. Again, it's the back way not a gravel road, but I'm sure most people would take the normal highway. No homes or businesses for miles. Just open fields, hills, wooded area. It's the Midwest pretty empty. On the watch for animals. Music loud. Up ahead my passenger, and I seen something crossing the road. I assume it's a deer at first so I slow down from 50-60 miles per hour to a stop. It was slow. I have liability insurance. I'm terrified of getting my car rocked by a deer trying to catch up behind their friend. When I was coming to a stop I got pretty close. It was halfway across the road moving towards the grass and slinking its way into the bushes. It was not a deer. In my mind what I was thinking before I got closer was. Let me look where it came from make sure I don't see any deer trying to cross, and to just continue on my way home. That's not what happened. As I came closer I locked eyes with it, as it moved into the grass. Felt like forever. White reflective eyes making eye contact with me. Flight, fight, or freeze. I froze. I just stared right back. It was in the grass, and I could still see its glowing eyes. It was turned back to look right back at me the whole time, it was moving forward to where it was going. Until it looked away, and as if I was looking for more deer, I looking over at the other side, it was clear, and looked back and couldn't see it anywhere. It was gone. My passenger told me to go. In the moment I remember them saying, what are you doing? Go, in a softer tone. I thought he just didn't know why I stopped. So I asked, did you see that? And he said, yeah I did, go. I gunned it. Immediately filled with fear. That was not a deer. Thinking back this has been replaying in my head over and over and over the past 20 hours. We talked about it. And here's the thing. In the moment my brain assumed deer. Now my memory doesn't know what the F that was. 
When it was crossing the road we seen no legs. Not that it was slithering. But the only way I can describe it was like a dream. When you're dreaming and everything is fluid constantly moving and changing and fuzzy. It was a pale beige not the color of a deer. Again we were pretty close and I had my brights on. I've seen plenty of deer in my life. It had huge shoulders that were higher than where its head sat. Its torso slopped down, like if we had seen the legs. The hind legs would be much smaller and the front legs would be a lot taller. The head was a teardrop shape. No ears, no nose, no antlers, no tail, no fur, no flesh, no defining features. Just like in a dream, it was so vague like a mist. The eyes were close set together and reflecting bright white. When it walked across the road and into the tall grass, it wasn't a trot. It didn't walk like a deer. Its shoulders rolled. My passenger described it like it could have walked bipedal. My passenger didn't see the head. Didn't see the eyes that were locked onto mine. They also claimed that they were yelling at me to leave. I don't recall hearing them yell at all. I remember hearing them very quietly and muffled telling me to go but that's it. I don't know much and I don't know what to believe. Hours after we were both shaking. And I have this fear that will not go away. This is 100% honest and true. What the F was that thing? I was 9 years old when this happened. I live on a farm, and we frequently go out at night to check on the animals. Tonight was my turn, and it was a night I will never forget. As I went out, we took our shotgun just in case we ran into any wild animals. We live fairly close to Navajo land, where skinwalkers originated, so encountering one was always a possibility. My grandfather often talked about skinwalkers, and how he encountered them frequently as a child. Let's go back to where I was checking on the animals. This was a common task for me. As I walked down to the field to check on the horses, I heard a loud scream, like a human's but different it sounded almost demonic. My grandfather had mentioned that when he came across skinwalkers, they would shriek so loudly that it sounded like someone or something was screaming. Quickly, I ducked down and hid behind a tree. Then, I saw a deer. We didn't own any deer, and I remembered my grandfather saying that skinwalkers could shape-shift and take the form of animals. The deer stood up, looked at me, and in a voice that was half-human, half-demon, it said, I can see you. It went back on all fours, and that's when I reacted. Bang, I shot it. As I approached, I knew that thing wasn't human. I quickly ran back to my grandfather, telling him that I saw a skinwalker. His face went pale, and I could tell he believed me. He asked if I shot it, and I said yes. He then asked if it was in animal form, and I confirmed. He sighed in relief. We went to check it out, but when we looked for the body, it had disappeared, and it never came back. I live in the Klamath Mountains in Eastern Oregon, about 20 miles from the California border. Growing up I spent a lot of time outside camping, hunting, fishing, etc. A few months ago I had a strange experience on a family trip to our cabin near Crater Lake, 
and wanted to see if anyone could help me maybe find more info on what I saw. I was by myself bird watching at a small pond in the woods, maybe half a mile from the cabin in the late afternoon. I was sitting on a big log with binoculars. I wasn't in a blind or anything, but I picked a spot where I thought I'd be less visible to any animals. After about an hour I hadn't seen much except a few common ducks, and it didn't seem like many animals were very active so I was thinking about leaving. This was about an hour before sunset. Then I saw something move in the trees across the pond, probably a hundred feet away. It was just a flash between trees, and I didn't really get any kind of look at it. But I kept watching the spot, and after maybe five minutes saw something dart from one tree to another. It was bigger than most any local bird, except maybe a heron and moved very fast, without making any noise, but I still didn't really know what I was looking at. This happened again a few minutes later, and then again a few minutes after that. Each time it was moving closer and closer to the pond. I don't think it knew I was there, but it was staying incredibly well hidden, and only revealed itself for a split second at a time. At this point I'm thinking maybe it's a kit fox or a pine marten, because of how fast and silently it moved. But I still hadn't got a good look at any part of it in detail. It moved between trees a few more times until it was behind a big dead tree right on the shore. I was staying as still and silent as possible, but still worried it would see or more likely smell me and spook. But after a few more minutes I saw something move at the edge of the water. A little arm and hand that looked just like a human's reached out and touched the mud, and then the head and the other arm came into view as it leaned out to drink from the water. I could only see the head and shoulders and arms from where I was, but they looked so much like a person's. Except it was too small, and covered in what I took as grayish-brown fur. The face wasn't exactly human, more monkey-like, but it was too far away to see much detail. I decided to try lifting my binoculars to get a closer look, but as soon as I moved it looked up, and then disappeared back behind the tree again. I watched until it started to get dark, but I didn't see it again, not even darting behind the trees. I went back to the cabin and told my grandpa what I saw. He's been a rancher in this area his whole life. He said, sounds like you ran into a hide behind, and laughed. I said no grandpa seriously, this isn't a joke. He said he'd heard stories about Bigfoot and hide behinds and several times saw little human footprints on hunting trips deep in the mountains where no children would be. I think he believed me, but he didn't really know anything. I asked my dad and brothers, but they just started giving me shit about squatching lol. I went back to the pond the next day and walked around to where the creature had been, but I didn't find any tracks or scat or fur or anything. I did figure it had to be probably about three and a half or four feet tall based on the trees I'd seen it near, but narrow enough to hide completely behind a ponderosa pine. Which makes me think it must have been standing and moving upright. And that's it. I wish I'd seen more of it, but that face and hands were absolutely not like any local animal. It looked very much like a monkey or furry little human. I've tried to find more info. But the only cryptid people seriously talk about in this area is Bigfoot. The hide behind seems like a joke. 
There may be little people or humanoids in some of the local Native Americans' folklore, but not a lot of detail I could find. I hope someone here has some ideas what I might have seen. It was a very unique and memorable experience and any further information would be appreciated very much. My aunt was a geologist so not a hunter, but when she was in college, her and a group of fellow students were doing a practical study that required prolonged camping in the woods. One of the days, she woke up in the morning, heard some noise, peeked out of her tent, only to find a bear gnawing on the remnants of another student's severed head. This was in 1970s in USSR. The ant reconsidered being a geologist after that, and never went camping again. I've always debated posting this story, but I never knew the right place to share it, so apologies if this isn't the right platform. I wanted to recount an experience I had about 13 years ago. For some background, my cousin used to live in northern Alabama, and his family owned a polo field about 20 or 30 miles from the Tennessee state line. He had mentioned a few times that when he lived on the property, he would see a mysterious figure around outside his windows, out in the field, and such. These were stories shared during late-night Xbox sessions, and I never gave them much thought. Fast forward to a trip I took to visit him around 2010. We went camping on the polo field on a cool August night with a full moon. We set up our tent and fire in the middle of the field, making food and enjoying each other's company while listening to music. Soon, we started experiencing strong cold and hot winds. Considering the area was prone to tornadoes, we decided to pack up and leave. After putting most of our stuff back in the car, I decided to lie back on top of one of the hay bales and gaze at the night sky. I hadn't seen an unpolluted night sky since moving to a city with high light pollution. After a few minutes, my cousin informed me that everything was packed, and we were ready to go. When I got up and looked across the field at the fence line about 75 or 100 yards away, I saw it. There was a human-like silhouette standing right at the fence, looking directly in our direction. Knowing the fences were about 4 feet tall, and the figure was above its waistline, it appeared to be over 6 feet, near 7 feet tall. It looked human, but something about it seemed off. Its limbs were thin, and its eyes were reflective like those of an animal. I couldn't make out many facial features, but it appeared flat and had a grayish or pale color. The best way I could describe it was a mix between the rake and the vampires from I Am Legend. I quickly hopped down, told my cousin to leave, and explained what I saw after we got back to his parents' place. What I described matched what he had seen five eight years prior when he was a kid. There are a few stories from his other friends who claim to have seen it in the woods, a couple of years later when they camped, but no one has a concrete explanation for what it could be. We've researched the area, and there was an old asylum abandoned in the late 80s or early 90s. However, given the span of around 15 years during which it was seen, we doubt it could be someone living there. Has anyone else seen anything matching this description in the northern Alabama or South Tennessee area?
Does anyone have an idea of what this could be? Feel free to ask any questions or express interest in other sightings. I'll try to answer them when I can. I've been hunting once and had a lot of fun, but near the end of it, we saw a little path and decided to follow it. It brought us to a small little clearing where we saw five dolls. They were the type you saw in horror movies, and they were all beaten up and one of them had no head, and there was blood on the trees near them. Let's just say we all looked at each other and ran for our lives. I first learned about this cryptid in a summer camp I went to as a kid. One time, we went to a park in this rural town in Connecticut, and spent the whole day learning about this strange creature that was first seen there. It's always stuck with me as this strange predator that lived in the same woods I grew up in, and it's very unknown so I thought I would share its story. It starts similarly to many other stories with livestock, and pets getting attacked out of nowhere. The later sightings of the creature, as rare as they were, described it as like a panther, only with its hair more like a bear's, and even a small mane like a lion. These descriptions just sound like an average animal, almost like a large fisher cat. What made it so bizarre though, was the sound it made. It was like a non-stop cackle of a hyena when it was moving, so it was assumed to be blind and used echolocation. With a sound as strange as that though, any wildlife would quickly look around and run away right. So how was it such a good hunter? It goes back to their eyes once again. If you look into them, you will immediately forget you saw the strange beast. Think about that for a moment. If you hear its strange cackle, you have no way of knowing how long it's been following you. You could have felt this exact panic for hours on end and repeat, but never know. Every piece of evidence that something may be wrong is erased in an instant, until it's too late. It's a strange story, one most definitely not true, but at least the concept on its own has some terror. Hope y'all find it as fascinating as I do. I grew up in a town called Hawthorne, located in Nevada. Hawthorne is located right next to Walker Lake. The main highway leading from Hawthorne to Reno is Highway 95, which if you use Google Earth, you can see runs right between Walker Lake and a mountain range. This creates a small area of the highway that is affectionately known to locals as the Cliffs. When I was 14, my grandparents, mom, and I were coming home late from a long day of doctor's appointments in Reno. My grandfather was driving, and we hit the cliffs a little after 11.30 p.m. I was in the passenger seat, to help keep my grandfather awake, but I still think it was just so I would sing folk songs with him. Anyway, about one-third of the way around the cliffs, heading toward Hawthorne, there is a small area where the road pulls away from the mountain, and creates a small outcove area. As we started to come up on it, we saw a large animal crossing the road, dragging another animal in its mouth, and it stopped in this outcove. Grandpa thought, at first, that I might get my first look at a live mountain lion, so he slowed down. When we got within 100 feet of it, he turned on the brights of the car. 
To our surprise, it was no mountain lion. We only had a couple of seconds to look at it after Grandpa turned on the brights, because right after the light hit, whatever the hell that thing was, it turned to look at us one second, and the next, it leapt straight up the side of the mountain, and out of sight, leaving the mangled body of a fox. Grandpa hit the gas and the old Buick we were in jumped, waking up the women in the back seat. I had never seen my grandfather truly scared before, but even he was physically shaking afterward. I remember the sheer bulk of the thing, and the fact that it looked like a really large bodybuilder. When it jumped in the same fashion as a human, with its arms reaching up, toward the rocks almost over its head. It had long thick fur, but you could see the muscle definition. I don't remember the facial features, but I remember the pure terror when that thing turned and looked at the car with shining yellow eyes. I even pissed myself. I have come practically face to face with a polar bear, and I wasn't as scared as when we saw this thing. Now I don't believe in werewolves, and I haven't seen anything like it since, but I hope I never do again. So, I was walking out in the forest late at night to smoke a joint with a mate. Out of the corner of my eye, I spot what my mind assumes to be a moving tree. I pass it off as paranoia, and that feeling slowly builds up the more I can hear the wood of the trees creaking and snapping. It gets progressively more intense, as if the trees are signaling that we're in territory we shouldn't be in. Even my mate is getting nervous, but eventually, the anxiety eases off, and we feel chill again. For the next few hours, we sit inside a dip in the forest at its center. While talking suddenly, we both hear a loud wooden crunch right above us. We immediately spin our heads to the sound, only to see a creature I can best describe as looking like a praying mantis with a tree-like exoskeleton. The moment we see the creature, we both get up and run as fast as we can, almost immediately splitting up as we go into fight or flight. I run into thorn bushes, through branches nothing is getting in my way, until I catch a rock wrong and trip. I land on twigs and sticks that jab into my ribs. When I look behind me, I notice there's nothing there. I stop everything just to listen out, unsure if the creature is nearby, which frightens me more. All I can hear is Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cracking and creaking from trees, all sounding uncanny compared to the creature. I feel as if sheer luck is the only thing keeping me alive, so I say, screw it, and choose a direction to sprint. Without stopping, I managed to clear about two kilometers before violently throwing up into a pond, I stopped at, cloaked beneath a tree. After making a bunch of noise expelling my insides, I stop and listen again for a good 15 minutes. I end up hearing my mate calling my name a couple of times and eventually spot him on the top of a hill covered in large boulders. We regroup and both make sure with each other that we're not crazy and saw the same thing. We confirm what we saw. I've tried my hardest to find a creature that compares to what I saw that night, and after research, I've come across the assumption that what I saw wasn't an insect, but an actual living tree like a leshy. I think that thing was watching us the whole time, disguised as tree branches above the woods, waiting for the opportune moment to catch us. Either way, I'm never going to ask for an adventure again after that. I live in South Wales, UK. Now admittedly, we aren't known for our cryptids more known for ghosts, that which I don't believe in I'm a 30 male. I live in a remote area, in the past, I've hunted and eaten rabbits. Though I no longer do this as I can't hurt animals anymore. The largest native animal we have, is the red deer. But. For many years, there has been news articles of large cats in our area, possibly puma or panther, that had grown too large for their owners. I live in an area close to Tonmower, South Wales, and there is a creature sighted frequently called the Beast of Tonmower. A police officer that was a close friend of my family told of an encounter with said beast. However, the creature I encountered that day, when I was 11 years old, was neither large cat or red deer. I had been playing with my cousins. As children who lived in the valley, exploring the trees, forests, rivers and valleys was the norm. My cousin, who lived barely two miles from my house, had asked me to go for a walk and explore as our parents, related in some distant ways, sat, spoke and ate. My cousin was a lot thinner and more agile than me. While exploring the forests, barely a mile from his home, I had lost sight of him rather quickly. I'm not sure what made me turn to my right. I heard no sound or caught no glimpse in the corner of my eye. But I turned and glanced. There in the tree line, maybe 20 foot from me. There was a creature I could only explain as a dog that was bipedal. Werewolf isn't the word, this was, sure as day, a dog. It was leaning against a tree using one paw to steady itself. As I looked at it, as we became aware of one another, the creature pushed off from the tree, and stood in a way that was terrifying and threatening at the same time, a stance I knew immediately as aggressive, though I can't say why. It was run away or die, even at 11 years old, I knew that. I ran with tears streaming, 
all the way back to my cousin's home. When my younger cousins returned, they scolded me for my imagination getting the better of me. I know what I saw that that day. I'm 31 now and I'll remember the sheer helplessness I felt in the presence of that creature for the rest of my life. The world is a scary place, never underestimate it. Could this have been a crawler? I live outside of city limits in a border town near Mexico, and it was a bit more rural than it is now. Our neighbors own cows on each side of our property. My sister and I shared a bedroom, and it had a window facing one of the cow fields. A pretty strong thunderstorm hit that night. Excited to watch the rain, I turned out the bedroom lights and lifted the blinds a little too quickly, causing them to fall from the window sidings. While my sister struggled to put the window blinds back on, lightning struck, and I noticed someone or something crawling like Spider-Man in the cow field in our direction. No cows were in the field. I freaked out and started screaming at my sister to hurry up and put the blinds back up, and this thing kept crawling on all fours. I wished it was a dog, but it didn't move like one. My sister managed to get the blinds back up, and we turned on our bedroom lights. I explained to my sister what I saw in the cow field. She was freaking out, but we were both too scared to walk across the living room, where there was a huge bay window to wake our parents up. We tried distracting ourselves with other things, and then we started to hear a sound like a human, but with a growling wheeze right at our window. My bed was by the window. The blinds were closed at this point, but the wheezing was so loud it was as if that thing was in front of me. I covered myself with a blanket while my sister and I stared at each other in horror and whispered. We kept the lights on. The wheezing stopped, and out of fear, I ended up falling asleep before my sister did. She said the wheezing sound came back once I was asleep. After that night, we didn't hear anything like that. When I was about 9 or 10 years old, my uncle told me a story that has stuck with me ever since. Growing up in Kentucky, I've always heard tales of, you know, Bigfoot or the Pope Lick Goat Man. The usual run-of-the-mill, urban legend, campfire story. But in the case of the story my uncle had told me, it was different than all the other tall tales I had heard before. Or since. Kentucky is home to the world's largest cave system in the world, Mammoth Cave. Since its founding on July 1, 1941, only about 365 miles have been surveyed by the human eye. It's believed that there are still over 600 miles of passageways and caverns yet to be discovered. The national park is stretched over three counties, spanning more than 50,000 acres. Edmondson, Hart and Barron counties, my uncle owned land in Edmondson County since the early 1980s. I remember hearing about how when they were out hunting for deer, they would occasionally come across pits in the ground of various sizes. They were the mouths of cave entrances. They would usually just toss a barrel or a large tree branch into the hole, so no one would stumble across it, fall in and become trapped. Besides wildlife or just getting lost in the woods, there wasn't really much else you had to worry about, according to most people. 
This story takes place in the early 1990s, about five years after my uncle purchased the land. His closest neighbor who I'll call Ken, lived about a half a mile down the dirt road, that ran parallel to both of their properties. They naturally became good friends over time and on occasion, would accompany each other hunting. My uncle lived in Louisville, and would visit his property when he had off days, or needed to do upkeep, like mowing or restocking his pond. So unlike his neighbor Ken, he spent more than most of the year in Louisville. On this particular weekend, Ken went out hunting for deer. He left his cabin and headed off into the woods, as he had done 100 times before. He followed a path that he had used plenty of times, to a small grouping of trees, overlooking a large meadow. According to him, it was a perfect sunny fall day, with not many clouds in the sky. He sat in the shadows underneath some low-hanging tree branches, feeling hidden from any would-be prey that might come by. Despite it being the ideal weather for hunting, he didn't see much in terms of game. Just a few fawn and a doe, not the big trophy buck he was hoping for. He had been entertaining the idea of just grabbing his gear and heading back to the cabin. But not wanting to go home empty-handed, he decided to stick around for a little while longer, in hopes his luck would change. His chest fluttered when he looked across the meadow to the left, and seen movement in the tree line opposite of him. He pulled his rifle to his shoulder, and looked down the scope. The thick trees and foliage at the edge of the tree line, prevented him from getting a good view of the animal in his sights. From what he could tell, it was heading towards the edge of the woods, he just had to be patient. When it stepped out of the shadows of the trees about 50 yards away, and into the clearing, he knew almost immediately, he wasn't looking at a deer. He tried to keep his hands from shaking his rifle, as he desperately tried to identify exactly what it was he was looking at. He described its body of that of a panther, but the upper torso where the shoulders and neck were, sat noticeably higher than its lower back and hind legs. He was looking at its side profile, which he claimed while in mid-stride, this thing had to be close to seven feet in length. He said it was quiet, like a cat. It never made a noise when it moved. The front legs, he said looked more like arms, significantly longer and skinnier than its hind legs. It had brittle dark brown hair that started from the back of its head, and running down the length of its back. He also claimed that the creature's skin looked waxy, almost like a chimpanzee's skin, dark brown, almost black. Its face was long like a dog's, but he said he noticed no ears. He said the corners of its mouth ended by the neck, where the ears should be. The most unsettling detail I can remember of his account though, was the thing's back legs. He described them as looking frog-like, as in the back legs were tucked up close to the creature's sides. When it walked, the leading leg would reach almost to the front half of its body, and the other leg would stretch way back, flat like a frog when it crawls. He watched it for about two or three minutes, slowly and quietly moving through the long golden grass. A black shadow surrounded by color. He watched it disappear into the tree line directly across from the woods he seen it come from initially. After a few moments, he left and headed back to his cabin. Now I don't know how long it was after this incident occurred that Ken told my uncle about it, but he was reluctant to speak on it. 
he dubbed it the Kentucky Holler Crawler. Eventually, Ken explained the story in full one night, while sat around a fire with my uncle. Ever since then, Ken refused to go into the woods, he claimed to only hunt from the dirt road running through his property afterward. Both my uncle and Ken have sadly passed away since, but their story never changed over the years. I even had my uncle retell the story to me a few years back, just so I knew I had all the details right. Maybe this was just another tall tale used to scare me and my brother when we were kids, camping on my uncle's land. But I know one thing for sure, he was an honest man. And his eyes told the truth when he would tell me that story. He had his fair share of unexplainable instances as well. I'm sure anybody would after frequenting a cabin in the middle of nowhere Kentucky for over 30 years. The thing that keeps me up at night though, isn't the thought of the creature, it's the thought of where it came from. Who's to say this thing, didn't crawl up from the caves, spanning hundreds of miles in every direction. Hidden from civilization, thriving off the ecosystem. Nothing is impossible when it comes to nature. Nobody really knows for sure what is out there, in the dark. This took place ago in the Rockies in Colorado a few days ago. I just seek help trying to figure out if I'm crazy or bumped into something. I'd heard the stories, read plenty of them online and seen the videos about them as well. I was never sure about them, never sure if they were real probably because I didn't want them to be, because whether I'd admit it or not they were creepy, but I couldn't rule them out. I was camping, half an hour outside of a small town in Colorado at about 8500 feet. Snow covered the dirt road I took to get to the campsite. I'd only set it up earlier that day. 10-15 minutes if my drive out of town was through the park, with campsites essentially clearings with stone fire pits in them. I set up at the fourth or fifth one. I was the only camper there at the time. On one of my returns to camp, after visiting in town about 100 feet down the one one half mile into the park my trail was I saw a herd of deer off to the left side of the trail, probably seven eight of them. They were only a few feet from the trail and all spooked, save for one deer. The deer was facing the same direction of the car before I came, and was the closest to the pathway. While the other deer retreated 15-20 feet deeper into the woods, he turned to face my car. Already only going 5-10 miles per hour, and on a rough part of the trail, I wasn't passing very quickly so I slowed and stopped, he followed the whole way. For some reason I spoke to him. Unsure and slightly uneasy at this fearless deer, after all I'm treading on his land. I was protected in the car, and he was an average sized deer, so there was no reason to think it'd do anything to me. But somehow, someway, an animal demanded respect. I don't think I ever saw it blink, for what felt like forever, but was likely five minutes we stared at each other, the deer never moving anything about him. I thought to take a picture of him and his herd watching from behind him down the hill, but something told me not to. I talk to my dogs, and I know they hear what I say, but I don't know if they listen. He listened. I told the deer I was here to visit, that I wished for a brief stay, and to hopefully enjoy nature again, and grow appreciation for nature once more. As if satisfied by the answer, 
He backed up, only a couple steps, but he backed up and I kept on. I drove and watched him in the mirror, he returned to the herd, not taking an eye off of me. I've been on plenty of camping trips, been spooked by people and critter alike wandering around camp, even having opened the flap to a deer walking through on my many trips with scouts, but this was one of my first alone. Up there, it dropped to around zero degrees, and when I was in the tent, all I wanted to do was huddle in my sleeping bag. So that's what I did, the sun went down quick when you're tucked between peaks, the mountains hide the sun even sooner, so it got dark and cold. If you've ever watched a four-legged animal walk, you'll know T has a pattern. Having been around dogs all my life it's something I've mildly found interesting. Almost always after a forefoot comes down a rear foot follows, giving a distinct sound to their footsteps. When I was woken up at around 2-3 on the morning my first thought was a bear late to hibernate. Knowing I had no food in the tent, and only had food on the car I stayed huddled as not to startle it, or give it any reason to think I smelled like food after all. I tried to listen to it to see where it was walking, that's when I got scared. There was snow surrounding my camp, there was no mistaking every single footstep it made. Slow, one on front of the other. No matter how hard I tried to imagine, there was no rear foot following. Just the one-two, one-two, then the pause. That was the worst part. I slipped my hand out of my bag that I was huddled on and grabbed the hatchet I was carrying with me, trying to reassure myself I was making stuff up. I pulled my hand back in, and I heard it start to walk again, keeping on its way, the direction it been going before stepping into my camp, and eventually I couldn't hear its slow steps anymore. It was light, and two-legged. That's all I could discern. The next morning I went to look. Even with the snow, it was so packed around my sight from cars and footsteps, that it was either too packed or already walked over to really discern any new tracks. I stayed in a hotel the night after this happened, abandoning my gear to pack in the sunlight. Three four inches of fresh dry snow had come down over the night, and when I walked into my camp, I noticed a trail of tracks. While the terrain was still uneven I couldn't help but notice what looked like a set tracks tightly together, like you would see a deer's tracks, and suddenly as they left the grass and entered the dirty snow of camp, they seemed to be spaced out, almost like my own footsteps I left behind walking over to them were. If it were a skinwalker, it makes sense if JT were the deer I spoke to as they tend not to be violent in the day, but being a hunter, it saw and paid attention to where its next target would be going. But when it went on the prowl, only finding a quiet tent. Or it could have been a windigo, content with my goals of the forest, letting me leave, but coming by in the night as a warning of what was to come, seeing as what I drove into was headed for the mountains. I was driving home from work, having finished at 8 p.m. I was about halfway home, driving down a farm road in Illinois, when I started feeling really paranoid. As I drove by a large group of deer on either side of the road, I slowed to about 30 miles per hour to avoid hitting them. Their appearance wasn't unusual, but the sheer number of them, and the way they made me feel struck me as odd. Around where I live, 
there aren't many places for deer to inhabit, just empty fields at this time of year and small privately owned woods. Additionally, there have been reports of people driving home at night disappearing, leaving only their cars parked on farm roads, with nothing missing of monetary value, except personal items like phones or wallets, often found discarded nearby. I thought, I'm putting this in as it might be relevant, since in most cases, you'd only see seven or maybe eight deer, never more than that. As I continued driving, I started counting the deer, reaching 47 before I stopped. I had turned down the volume on my car's radio, my paranoia building. When I slowed to make a turn, I heard what sounded like a stampede, as far more than the 47 deer I counted ran past my car, jumping over the road and disappearing into the dark field on the other side. I drove for less than three minutes when I heard quieter hooves. Five deer approached my vehicle from the field, and as I slowed down, suppressing my fight or flight response, four of them were large bucks, almost the size of elk. The final one stood in the middle of the road in front of my car, much larger than the elk I saw in Alaska the year before, even larger than the moose near my rental cabin on the same trip. My paranoia and fear disappeared as I looked at the deer. It felt like it was trying to communicate with me, conveying its basic meaning directly to my mind. The feelings it conveyed were extreme claustrophobia, disgust at what I was in, pity for me, a desire for my escape, and finally, its love for nature and the forest that used to be there. I shut off my vehicle and began to unbuckle my seatbelt when I received an alert on my phone for daily rewards in a mobile game. This caused the deer to step back and conveyed fear to me. I lost all the peace and comfort I felt a moment before, immediately restarted my car, and began to reverse. The deer got to the side of the road, allowing me to pass. I reversed to let the creature avoid me not out of compassion, but more out of obligation. I can't fully explain why I felt the way I did, but I sped home nonetheless. As I drove away, I got the worst headache I have ever experienced, and when I went to wipe my upper lip, I discovered blood from a nosebleed, which I hadn't realized I had. Less than an hour has passed since this happened, and I haven't had time to process it fully. I hope someone here can give me an idea. I have been seeing shadowy figures that look like they are following or watching me when I walk to work sometimes. I walk to work at 5 am and it's a very short three-minute walk. I live in small-town Iowa, and there is never anyone else out when I'm walking to work. Any idea what it is? Shadow people? Dark watchers? Am I just losing it? Any help or ideas will be appreciated. I do not suffer from a lack of sleep, depression, nor any mental health issues. None have ever approached me, and I don't really feel threatened by them. Sometimes the hair on my arm will stand up though. If I stare for too long they disappear. It doesn't always happen, and I've been seeing them for at least three years. I am part Choctaw, so I wonder if that may have something to do with it. But I have not been able to talk to any elders nor the chief about it. I felt like coming to Reddit about something my friend, 
and I experienced back in 2018. This occurred while we were driving on Lower Pine Creek Road in Chester County, Pennsylvania. I had not and have not ever had another experience like this. This winding, unlit road is surrounded by dense woods on both sides. It is a residential road, but the houses are sparse. As it was nighttime when this occurred, all we could see was what was illuminated ahead of us by the headlights of my friend's car. As we drove along, something moved across the road, emerging from the woods on our right and disappearing into the woods again on the other side of the street. It crossed just in front of the car, within range of the headlights. The reason I say moved is because the actual motion it made is difficult to describe. It was somewhere between a run and a leap, but it wasn't quite either. Bounding is the best single word I have been able to use to capture it. This all happened very quickly, as the thing moved with an alarming speed. At first I thought a deer had run across the road, but quickly ruled that out. We both sat in silence for a few seconds processing what we just witnessed. To avoid influencing my friend, I asked him what he saw, and he described it just as I recalled it. Here are the major details I remember. I knew it was not a deer because it stood on two legs, which were muscular like a human's, but were hooved. The rest of its body was also lean and heavily muscled, and it had to have been between 6 foot 5 7 in height. It was bright red in color, shockingly red like a fire truck. It had a large black mane, horns, and a tail. It had mostly humanoid features and resembled a large ape. Again, it moved incredibly fast, and bounded the width of the road in just a couple steps. It was probably only within range of the headlights for three or so seconds. I am not prone to believing in the supernatural, and I had never heard of anything like this, so my initial reaction was to try to figure out what we really saw. However, what really pushed me to accept what we saw as reality was an article another friend of mine sent me after recounting the incident to him. The article confirms many of the things we noticed that night. This experience was terrifying when it happened. It has completely changed my beliefs about the supernatural, and has opened my mind more to other people's stories of their encounters. Over time, my fear surrounding the incident has mostly subsided, but I no longer go on night hikes in the area. Aside from the article I linked, I have not heard much about this creature, although I suspect it is related to a nearby and more famous creature, the Jersey Devil. I am interested to know if anyone has any information or similar encounters around Chester County. Trust me when I tell you this. Don't use Craigslist, I know that may be obvious, it's not ideal meeting up with a stranger and giving them money, and giving them your address or going to their house. About a week ago, I decided I needed a new phone. I chose to look on Craigslist. I found the perfect deal, a new iPhone 12 for only 400 bucks. What a steal. I tried to contact the person that is selling the iPhone, but he didn't respond. Well, that's weird, but I didn't think much about it. Over the next couple of days, I continued to message him, but he still didn't respond. But finally he did. He only sent me his address and only his address, which was weird. When I responded, he didn't say anything after that. 
So, the next day I decided to go to this guy's house. Which was a really stupid move looking at it now. When driving down the rocky street, it seemed like nobody lived in any house on the street. But ignoring that red flag, I went to his house. Seeing the house, it was dark, the wood was old and uneven. But once again, I ignored that as well. When walking to the front door, I noticed the grass was uncut and rough, it went up to my knees. When I approached the front door, it just swung open which startled me, hey what the hell, I said almost falling on the rocky floor. Do you want the phone or not? A man said in a deep and dark voice. Ah uh, yeah I have dollar 400 in cash, is that what you want, I spoke. Yeah, that'll work, he said. I walked up and gave him the money, he snatched it from me and slammed the door in my face. I started to yell, hey man what the f, I said angered. He didn't open the door for what it seemed like hours, but when he finally did, he just stuck his arm out with the phone. After I grabbed it and thanked him, after I said, oh by the way, what's your name? He paused, then he said, John, John Smith. After that I turned around and walked away, but I didn't hear him close the door. When I turned on my car, I looked at the door, I saw him. I saw him still staring at me. Creeped out I put all my weight on the gas pedal, and floored it down the street. When I got home, I was way too tired to actually set up the phone. I fell asleep once my head hit the pillow. When I woke up and I turned the phone on. But I noticed something strange, something unusual. I noticed that the phone was still signed in with the last person, probably the creepy guy that sold it to me. So, feeling a little nosy and curious, I opened the phone. What an idiot, I said laughing. That guy didn't even have a password. This is too easy, I thought. After opening the phone and going to the home page, I immediately went to the photos app. After opening the app, there was nothing. There were no photos in the camera roll. Weirded out I went to the photo albums, and that when I found something. The photo album was titled, A Fun Night, with a winking emoji. At first, I thought the pictures or videos in there would be very different. But they weren't. There were only two videos, both with a black thumbnail. Then I did something I regret. I played the first video. When the first video started to play, it was a black screen, the only sound I heard was soft rain. After a few seconds the camera quickly panned up. It made me jump it was so quick and sudden. The camera was turned to look at a car outside. The camera stayed fixed on that car for more than 30 seconds. What the hell is this? I thought to myself confused. Then a woman actually opened the car door and got out of the car. I did not know this woman nor have I seen her. After the camera wouldn't move away from her a man started laughing in a maniacal tone, then he said, can't wait to have a fun night with you, he said in a scratchy voice. That's when I stopped my breath. I knew that voice. That voice was the same as the man that sold me this damn phone. Thoughts began racing in my mind. Was he a murder? I thought, is this video a prank? After the first video ended, I went to the second video. I noticed this one was exponentially longer than the first one. While the first one was 2 minutes long, this one was 7 minutes. 
The same thing happened like in the first one, it started out as a black screen with rain in the background. But the difference was, it was in an abandoned warehouse. Then around 45 seconds in I heard, soft quiet crying, cries of a woman. Shut your mouth, the same man yelled. She stopped immediately. The camera panned to look at the woman, he stood the camera up against the wall of the warehouse. She was the same woman that got out of the car. I started to become lightheaded because of this. Is this a sick joke, I thought, did he actually kidnap her? Then the man reached his arm out to caress her knee. She started to whimper like a sad dog. Then right after she started to cry, he slapped her right in the face. Shut up I said, in a loud and demanding tone, once again she stopped. The man then grabbed a knife out of his pocket and cut the rope around her mouth. She started panting and breathing really heavy. The man then said in a maniacal tone, I want to have a little fun. In one swift motion he pushed the woman down and brought the knife up to her chin. He moved the knife around her jawline. Blood started to leak out under her chin. Then he dropped the knife and started to choke her. She started to turn purple then she became lifeless. He then picked up the knife and started to carve a wide smile in her face. After he finished the smile, he grabbed the camera and showed her wide and bloody smile. He started laughing and said, wasn't this fun? After seeing this, I jumped out of my bed and drove to the police station. After I gave the police the phone, they figured out the man and the woman in the videos. For legal reasons I will just say their first names. The man's name is Dale, and the woman's name was Jesse. The man was convicted of murder, and is now in prison for life. The woman sadly died from blood loss. Like I said in the intro, don't use Craigslist. I was selling a used washer and dryer on Craigslist after the house I bought already had a washer and dryer. So, selling the old ones I brought from my apartment, I had them for $100 each, which was a steal for the make and model of each with just a single year of use. I sent additional photos for one buyer, and we agreed on $90 each if he bought both. He shows up in his truck, and I'm foolish enough to help him load them in the back of his truck before getting paid. The moment he closed the tailgate of the truck. Hey man! Will you take $1.70 each? I told him we already agreed on a price, but he got angry with me for holding him to it saying, he already loaded them, and did not want to unload them. I opened his tailgate which made him begin to shout for me to not touch his truck. I ignored him and began undoing the ratchet straps before he pulled out the full dollar 180 in cash, paid me, and drove off shouting at me in front of my neighbors. Dozens of great experiences on Craigslist. Some try to haggle on arrival, but most have been cool when I refused. Worst I've had thankfully.